But hey, it's um, really good with you. Thanks for joining us, someone, both those online and those in person. Thanks for taking the time at some last, last week. There's, there's something unique when we physically come together. It's great to watch online when people are sick or at a town. It's fantastic. Please do that. We want to bless you that way so you don't miss out on what we're doing. But there's nothing more powerful than when dad's kids come together physically. Um, my name's Rob, in case you don't know me. I'm one of the pastors gets to serve you here. And we do the best of intent to point us back to his word and all that his word says. And then you can just apply it in your life that's best for you. But you really are some of the coolest people in the world. You're really, you're really good looking. Okay. You're looking great. Summer, summer is on its way. Thank you. Yeah. Someone, I, I met a gentleman this morning, and I'm going to get therapy next week. But he's like, I, I like snow, Rob. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. It's nearly June. You need to go wash your mouth out with soap. Okay? We're done with the white stuff. Okay, enough. Let's move on. But hey, it's really good. We're, we're going to finish up um, our series this morning of FBO, Follow, Believe, and Obey, um, which some people have asked, which are three of my own personal core values that I've lived my life for a long time with, and so probably they've spilled over and become a part of Crossroads core values, uh, but they're definitely mine. You know, we we want to get to a place where we want to invite people to follow, right? Um, first, before they ever have to decide to do anything, right? No hoops to jump through, no behaviors to change. Why? Because for me, 45 years ago, my mentors of literally 45 years, John Dorn McMillan, introduced me to Jesus that way. No one twisted my arm. Nobody beat me up. Nobody told me off because I was doing a bunch of wrong stuff. I dressed like a, an idiot back then, literally, as a scumbag. No one should have ever talked to me. But John and Doreen just allowed me to follow at a distance. And so follow has become a part of my core values in my life that I don't mind people coming to church that don't believe the church stuff. I don't mind people coming to church that aren't doing church things, whatever church things are. I mean, I have this list that people, here's what Christians do. I'm like, really? And Christians should love one another. Oh, that was it, one person? Like, wow, this is going to be a really good morning this morning. Well, we do. We go dress this way, do this, play these songs, stand this, sit, do this, do this, and do this, all this. We go, just go love people. Amen. Well, I like, I, I love the people I like. Well, that's not what he said. <laughs> like, he didn't say that. So for me, I was allowed to follow for as long as I wanted to. I, I got to follow with no strings attached, which just blew my mind. I didn't have to, I just, I just got to kind of follow along behind and next to John and Doreen. And over a two-year period, I just drifted and drifted and drifted to get closer and closer and closer. You see, why? Because it's never been about behavior modification. It's actually always been about life transformation. I think there's a slide for that, buddy. It's, it's never been about behavior modification. That's what religious weird people do. I don't want you to behave if you don't want to. I really don't. I don't want you to play the church thing and check the church box, whatever that is. I literally would love you to get to a place where you would literally go, Jesus literally transformed my life. Because if your life gets transformed, your behavior will follow. Well, if you really fall in love and allow Jesus to transform us, literally our behavior will just follow 
along behind. Then we invite people to arrive at a place of choosing to believe in Jesus, not forcing them to believe in Jesus. That's follow, believe, and obey. I don't make people believe. I don't want to make you. I'm not going to twist your arm. I, I used to say this, and then I'd realize one of my friends is a car salesman. So I love him very much. It's Aaron, Aaron Olson. I used to go, hey, I'm not a car salesman. He'd be sitting right there like. Because <laughs> I go to Aaron for all my cars because he's the coolest cat in the world. One of the most honest people I know that really loves to serve people. And so bless you, Aaron, but I'm not a car salesman, okay? So we don't try and get people to a place where they have to believe in Jesus. We get them to a place where they choose to believe in Jesus. No guilt, no fear, no pressure, no arm twisting. It's a personal choice to say yes to Jesus. Now, there's a good kind of guide and help out there. I think would be the coolest thing in the world for us to do that is the Bible and the Holy Spirit. I mean, ultimately, if I'm going to follow Jesus, believe in him, and get to that place of today obeying him, then two of the coolest bookends to use is the Bible because it's just pure and fun and fantastic, and I can't spell half the names in it. He should have This is my therapy. Sorry. He should have just used words like Ben. Well, he did use Adam. Okay, so he used Adam and Ben and John and Rob. You know, would have been perfect, but he used like Cerebral. Like, seriously? What was he thinking? So we get to a place where you can literally choose to believe in him when you get to that place and he stirs your heart to do that. That's the whole follow, believe, and obey process. But I personally don't know why anybody wouldn't want to be in a relationship with the greatest friend and savior in the world. Thank you. That's one person. I will pray and go home. (laughs) But hey, some people don't, and that's actually okay. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to follow Jesus. You don't have to obey Jesus. I'm not Jesus. He is. If you don't want to follow him and believe in him and obey him, hey, that's your prerogative. Not my, I've chosen to. I, I've chosen to walk this life. I, that's why if you look at the back of the church, you'll see, you know, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Follow, believe, and obey. There are some of the core values that I, I've tried to practice and implement constantly in my life. For some people, it, it maybe feels like love, acceptance, forgiveness follow, believe, and obey, which we've talked about over the last few weeks, that this idea can maybe come across as something too simple or straightforward for a lot of people. Simple, maybe, in presentation. I think there's a slide for it. Simple, maybe, in presentation, but at a PhD level, when it comes to application. It's really simple to love someone from a distance. Try love somebody up close and personal. In fact, it's really, like, it's really easy to love a hot, sexy Filipino chick who's my wife. <laughs> I mean, duh. Let's pray and go home, right? But to love somebody that doesn't like me, or that's misinterpreted what I said, or misheard what I did, or whatever, whatever, that's way more challenging. It's easy to sing about it. It's easy to pray about it. It's easy to preach about it. But when you get to walk into the idea of what does it look like? To uncondition, unconditionally, like unconditionally love somebody, that takes a PhD application. To get to a place where you accept people simply because they're made in God's image, not because you like them or agree with them, that people could walk into a place like this that actually don't even agree with anything we say, and we would accept them anyway simply because God made them in his image. And you get to the fun part, which everybody loves to avoid, love, acceptance, and for forgiveness you forgave somebody lately who's ticked you off you still working on it 
And yeah, it, it's really easy to do LAF at a distance, but up close and personal, it gets really painful. Then you move into the last section of the other side of the coin of follow, believe, and obey. You may have heard me or some of my other pastors say things like this, that we don't see the acquisition of Christian knowledge as a sign of maturity. But more so, we tend to look at the application of Christian knowledge as a sign of maturity. And I say this respectfully, and there's other pastors in the room that are friends of mine. There's some really people out there that I really don't like who call themselves Christians. That his knowledge is stuck up here, but it's never dropped to here. So I know God, and I know this, and I know that, and I know this, but it has to drop 18 inches for those who are tall. If you're shorter, than maybe eight or nine inches, but whatever, okay? But it's, we, we love this. I love to acquire his knowledge, and then Jesus says, then do it. I'll get to it later on, but if you know the truth and don't do it, it's a, to who? Believers. Oh, Lord Jesus, I just ask you to bless our time. Help us to have a good afternoon and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, literally, it's a, we love to acquire. We love, don't love to apply. And so for us and for me, love, acceptance, forgiveness, follow, believe, and obey is really some of those. Why do I think that, though? See, James says this, so if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, which is obey God's commands, yet you refrain from doing it, you or we are guilty of sin. If you know there's an opportunity, you can go and apply what you've learned today or heard and you get it's God's word. You have an opportunity to go and apply it and you don't do it. Actually, it's sin to you and me. Jesus doesn't give us a pass. Well, like, I like Crystal, so I will do it. But I don't like Robert. So I won't do it. And Jesus goes, nah, sorry, bad. The buzzer, bad, nope. Didn't say what you like or didn't like. I said, go do it. Yeah, but, but they're different than me. Well, dude, have you looked in the mirror lately? We're all different. We're all different. See, which means, if you apply that scripture, which means the youngest believer in the world actually might get to model maturity for somebody older in the faith simply because... Maturity is based on the application of knowledge, not the acquisition of knowledge. Which is really played out and highlighted, to be honest, in this last piece of the series in obey. Follow, believe, and obey. Hopefully you'll be encouraged. Hopefully I won't offend you. Hopefully I won't disrespect you. Hopefully you can see past my flawedness and you can hear Jesus in all of this for all of us. Think about it for a moment. If we just committed to living out the six essentials, the habits, principles, or values, whatever word you want to use, love, acceptance, and forgiveness, follow, believe, and obey. Follow because we get to, because we simply believe, because we simply choose to, and obey because I personally want to. But imagine if we lived out those six principles, love, acceptance, and forgiveness, follow, believe, and obey. We just did that. How different I would treat you how different we treat one another, how different we treat our spouses, our bosses. Imagine if, goosebumps. Imagine this for fun. Imagine this week as believers, we went to work and we applied love, acceptance, forgiveness, follow, believe, and obey to our bosses and our supervisors. And instead of getting drawn into the watershed conversations about how bad they were, we actually spoke life over them because they are messed up. Because they're just as broken as you and I am. 
They're falling forward and struggling through life just as much as we are. If you know Jesus, you're a little bit ahead of the game, I think. But for those, they're just trying to survive. Their values attached to their work. If you don't know Jesus, most of the time your values attach to the title you have at work. So when it's pushed and pressed and all that stuff, there's a, a brokenness that kind of floats to the surface. And what is believers, if we just applied love, acceptance, forgiveness, follow, believe, and obey in what God has called us to do? Like, for instance, here's the fun part of obeying. This is not even the message. Woo. Like, if we actually just went to work and worked as unto the Lord, our work would change. Nobody's going to say amen. Okay. Um, Adam, I need you to help. I need you to be my amen because everything else is not happening over here. But can you imagine it if we just went to work and obeyed what Jesus says, it's work is unto the Lord, not our boss. That's how different we would see and do things as believers. It would change the landscape of our life. I promise you. It could change everything about how we live our private lives and our public lives. See, let me finish off this series with some thoughts about maybe what obedience might look like. First of all, it's not obedience based on having to or or because someone is making us do it or because we're being forced or guilted or shamed into doing it. It has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with that sort of negative motivation at all. And I know some of you are employment and your jobs and your boss and your supervisors tend to use negative motivation to motivate people, which negative motivation and motivation don't actually go in the same sentence, so drop the motivation, okay? It's just negative communication, right? So I know the world does that, but, but Jesus called us, calls us to be different. It has everything to do with a different sort of motivation, let me ask it to you in the form of a question, would you? Why are we motivated to obey anybody? Why are you motivated to obey? Why am I motivated to obey anybody? It's because of a love for them? Is it because of a respect for them? Is it because of a trust in them? That they have earned or cultivated that desire in you to want to obey them? I mean, there's a whole bunch of ingredients that get us there. Whether it's been a coach Anybody had a coach in their life, in their sport, that they really found it easy to obey because they motivated and stirred something up in you? Is it a boss you remember? Is it a teacher? I remember when I, I told you this story before, I finished in the military. I'd been in the military a few years. I went back to my home school and back to Mrs. White, who's my English teacher. Walked into her classroom, high and tight haircut for all the military people in the room because I used to have, I mean, I used to have hair down to here. And it was gold blonde. Ow! <laughs> Woo! Come on! Come on! Yeah! Thank goodness I didn't have it when I met Andrea, but I used to have it for the military. So I come home from the military. I am high and tight. Lost a bunch of weight, which I'm for comfort now, not speed. But back then, I was for speed, okay? Walked into Mrs. Knocked on the door, walked into Mrs. White's classroom. She's at the front of the class. She starts weeping. Because this young military man is standing at the back of her classroom. I say, excuse me, Miss White, not to disturb your class. Walk right up. The classroom stood in front of her. Miss White, thank you so much for believing in me. Thank you so much for speaking life over me. You, you stirred a desire to want to obey what you were asking me to do in my English. Now, I'm an engineer, and we're not allowed to write properly, okay? So engineers don't do that. But I tried, Okay. But I remember just saying thank you to her because she stirred something in me. So has someone stirred something in you to do that? 
So we all tend to respond to people with obedience when it's been earned or cultivated. Well, I, I know I did. I shared that with you. For me, obedience has been a habit that Jesus has used to help cultivate and develop my faith. Like it's, obedience is a muscle you have to develop. It It doesn't just happen naturally. You have to work the muscle of obedience. And it starts to grow. It's easy to sing about it, and that's not working yet. That's learning about it. It's easy to pray about it. That's really, that's really spiritual, and that's good. But it doesn't develop it. It's actually working the muscle to allow it to grow and develop. See, it's been more than just me sitting, listening, and believing. It's been about me learning to live it out in real time. What if obedience is the evidence of our love for God? What if it's simply that? What if that's simply one of the indicators that people get attracted with Jesus with? That our simple personal obedience is an evidence of our love for God. I wasn't sure how to say this, and please forgive me, and if I get it wrong, come see me afterwards. But I think the way I'm obedient to the guidelines that are for my marriage show how much I love Andrea. Right? I'm obedient to the guidelines that come with being married to somebody. In my case, it's the hottest sexy Filipino chick babe in the world. That's three times I've said it. Hello, we are doing well at the start of 2023. Right? What if, it, what if it's that? What if obedience is simply the evidence our love for God that other people get to see? What if obedience is one of the most profoundly practical indicators of our trust in Jesus' word? What if it's that, that simple to the point that we... You just go get wet because he did. You just go get wet. It's cold. If you want to get wet this morning, we can baptize you. Why would you get baptized? Because he went to John the Baptist in the river, who was a sinful man, and said, I need to do this because it's what the word says. And John, who was sinful, took who, who was pure and perfect and baptized him. As he rose out of the waters of baptism, heavens opened. Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Holy Spirit descends like a dove and rests upon Jesus, and Jesus steps into everything he's done for you and I. But it was simply getting wet. What if obedience is simply following after what he did in allowing yourself in a public manner to say, hey, I believe in Jesus. I want to follow in his footsteps and get wet like he got wet. Maybe it's... Maybe it's to fix a broken relationship because he tells us to. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Yeah, but I don't like Eva. That's what, no, that's what we do. We forgive the people we like and we don't the people we don't. And Jesus says we don't get to do that. So what if obedience is simply doing what he tells us to do? Forgive 
Has you been forgiven? Oh, and by the way, if you don't, I won't. That's actually what the word says. No, I didn't make it up. He wrote it. But what if obedience is simply doing what Jesus tells us to do? What if it's simply honoring him with all that we are and all that we have? Love God, love people. It's that simple. John 13 says this, For when you demonstrate or walk in obedience in the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. When you walk in the same love I have for you by loving the select people that you like. That's what we do in our culture. That's not what he said. And what if obedience is simply the evidence of our love for God, of walking out what he's told us to walk out as people? Can I suggest something to maybe think about that maybe we become obedient to the things that we decide to believe in or place our faith or trust in? Maybe it's that simple that we, we become obedient to those things that we place trust in. I know what I have in my relationship with Jesus. I'm here in a second. We're not serving popcorn this morning. I'm going to show a video clip. It's about four minutes long. So sit back, don't snore, don't fall asleep.
What do you want from me? I will do. What is what if obedience is simply the evidence of Whatever you ask, I'll choose to walk in obedience. Stuff and all the patience. But I want to fast forward with you. It's the third time that Jesus will have appeared from the dead. It's after Peter has followed him into the court. It's after all that they thought would have happened didn't happen. All of a sudden it's over. So he goes, have you caught anything? Again, the fishing story comes around. Acting with them and he asks them if Conan tells the cast their nets, loads of fish. This is just after all this has happened and they're on the beach now. Amazing, I think he's the coolest cat in the world personally. He's the most down-to-earth person, I think. He represents for me what Jesus called us to really well. But in John 21, it said this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? <laughs> yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. <laughs> Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter's answer, I didn't know you had sheep. Or something like that. Maybe you could say it this way. Then Peter, if you do love me, then decide to come up to a new place of living and decide to be obedient to what I've called you to. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Answered, yes, Lord, do you know that I love you? Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I tell you. When you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. That being obedient, Peter, my words added, theologians don't freak out. That being obedient, Peter, will cost you. Peter, I'm not a sugar daddy. I'm just a really, really, really good daddy. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify him. And Jesus said to him, decide to follow me. Believe in me. And be obedient to me again. Because the Peter we're talking to, in case you don't know, is the guy who has denied Jesus three times. This is Jesus redeeming and restoring Peter to the calling he had in his life to walk in obedience so often, I think he uses different ways to get our attention. And so the process of follow, believe, and obey continues over and over and over and over again. It's not a one-shot deal, but more so, it's a lifestyle of living out our yeses to his requests. It's not a one-shot deal of obedience. It's really a chosen lifestyle of living out our yeses to his request, whatever that would be for you, whatever area of obedience he might be asking you to come up to or walk up to or step into. 
See, Jesus is not asking us to obey in his own, our own strength. That's the problem. So many people try to do it in their own strength. Maybe Jesus is saying the same to Peter as he was saying to us, or saying to us as he was saying to Peter, is decide to be obedient to the requests or commands that I will make of you. John 14, if you love me, keep and obey my commands. Why? Because obedience is the evidence of our love for God, I think. I don't get me wrong, please. I have no problem talking about Bible stuff with people. No problem at all. But I don't, I don't think that's an evidence of my love for God. I think an evidence of my love for God is my obedience to God. I think that's really what it floats to the surface as he called me to a place of obedience. But we're not called to do it on our own. It says this after that continued scripture. I will answer the Father. He will give you another advocate, comforter counselor, a guide, a friend, to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit wants to live in us. Old Testament was, live, was with, New Testament is in. There is only one power that can empower me and you to walk in obedience to the things of God. It's not just disciplines. It's not good habits. It's not, all those things are brilliant, the only person that can do that is the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit moving and flowing through our life. Thank you. To walk in that sort of obedience, we need the strength of the Holy Spirit to do so and the strengths available upon request. It's this simple. Abba, Father, please fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Why? So I can walk in obedience to your word. Why? Because obedience is a whole different level of living. A heart and lifestyle of obedience empowers us to see different, live different, and respond differently. To think differently, to act differently. This is an old average for me, so please, if you heard it before, please, please forgive me. Because I'm not an American football player, I'm a soccer guy. It's like being at the game and being in the game. The two experiences are way, way different. You can convince ourselves that we're in the game by being at the game, but you're not. I'm sorry. And all the Eagles, or not Eagles, what's the Seattle Seahawks or Sparrows? Is that, is that, is that oh, Sparrows? Thank you. I mean, the whole idea of, I think it's like the 13th player, 11th player, 12th player, whatever that thing is. I love you. And that's a great idea. Has absolutely no bearing on a game whatsoever. If you're a professional player, you never listen to the crowd. Ever. Because the day you do and get caught up in what the crowd says and does, you're no longer focused on the game. Because that one day that the crowd's against you and you've got practice into listening to them to look for motivation, you missed it. A real professional player, and I played at a high level of soccer, we were always taught, step into the park, step onto the field, and ignore the stands. Regardless of who's in the stands, you step onto the field, you look for the guy with the armband on, the captain, and your coach on the sideline, you ignore everybody else. If you don't, they will catch you up in their emotion. And you'll get caught up and drawn away by their emotion. And if it's off that day, you're off that day. So the whole idea of walking in obedience is going from being in, in the stands to being on the field, as it were. Like believing in Jesus is a great thing to do, but choosing to obey Jesus, well, that just blows your mind. Just ask Mary, the mother of Jesus. Her life is potentially turned upside 
Now, who loves Christmas music? I know you do because you put it on the 1st of July, right? It does. I'm like, I get in Adam's car and I'm like, like it's 105 degrees outside. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle. I'm like, what are you doing? We love, I mean, we love, I love Christmas except the snow for six months. Six days this year would be fine, just so we're clear, okay? Christmas Eve, New Year's Day, you can have it. But after that, we're done. But just ask Mary. I mean, it's wonderful, and we sing beautiful songs, and it's fantastic, and it's beautiful, and snow. And we have wonderful times at Christmas, and the kids come up here and sing it. It's amazing. But go back to that day. An angel comes and tells her, oh, by the way, you're going to get pregnant. You'll be an unwed mother. And in that culture back then, you got stoned to death for committing adultery. Thank you. You got stoned to death for committing adultery. The woman that was brought to Jesus, they picked up what? Not sponges, rocks. So Mary discovers all of this. All of this is like, here's the picture. This is Irish version, so all the theologians don't freak out. Would you like to walk in obedience? Is the Irish condensed version, right? Mary's response in Luke 1. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. The cost of obedience for Mary is not the glamour and the wonderful fun we get to experience today. The cost was literally horrific that she went like Peter did. What do you want from me? Whatever you ask of me, I'll do. Whatever you want of me, Angel, I'll do. Let what you've said come to pass. I'm going I'm to go beyond just believing. I walk in obedience to what you've asked me to do. It looks different for a lot of different people. I share this story with you for no other reason than we're all challenged to live it out and not just learn about it. It's a trust issue. The couple decided to move to a location that Jesus had stirred them to move to. And upon arrival there, they had an interesting dilemma or decision that they find themselves having to face and make and ultimately pray through because Jesus had called them there. Their dilemma was they could either do one of two things, just buy a house or tithe because he couldn't do both. Crazy, crazy, right? I know you're thinking, but for them it was a simple thought. Does the value or discipline or principle that we hold to actually have weight for us? Or is it up for adjustment if it seems to cost too much or is an inconvenience to our plans? You see, they could have bought a house elsewhere close by where they'd been called to serve for Jesus. But if they did, they wouldn't have been able to serve in the community where the church that Jesus had called them to serve in was because in that community, you have to live in that community to serve in particular ways. A dilemma, or is it just a matter of weight, of importance, of the value of obedience that they had chosen to live to regardless? Now, that's the million-dollar question, right? Do you believe or do we believe in obedience to what Jesus says? And if so, how important are the essentials to us 
in that journey with Jesus through those people, Andrea and I. When we arrived here 14 years ago, we couldn't afford healthily to do both tithe and buy a house in Uinta. So we sat down together and revisited our core value of obedience to his word. How essential was it to us? We could have over leveraged ourselves, but we would have been distracted by that decision. So because of our core value of obedience, which is still intact to this day, we didn't. We had chosen to be obedient to honor Jesus with our income because he called us to that. It's called tithing. And then we, we base everything else off that amount that we're, is left. We use the 10, 10, 80 principle as a starting point. In case you don't know what that is, give God 10%, save 10%, and then live off 80. Not the other way around. Not live first and then get to God. That's always a principle that we have grown up with, Andrea and I, since I first met her in Philadelphia 31 and a half years ago. It was two of the questions she asked me, which I thought she'd ask about dimples, six-pack, and accent, but she didn't. She didn't. I was like, Who needs, somebody needs to marry this chick. Because she asked me about the place and function of the Holy Spirit in my life, first of all. I was like, that's an interesting question to ask. You should have said, where do I get my six-pack from, my cute dimples from, et cetera, et cetera. But no, she asked, I, like, I'm not interested in marrying somebody who loves Jesus. I'm interested in marrying somebody who's committed to Jesus all in, allowing the Holy Spirit to function their life all through. And then she asked me the next question, what do you believe about tithing? I got this. Yes. <laughs> I did not got her idea. Because she's the weirdest, weirdest chick in the world. No, I'm serious. She, I watch her people sit in our home and take a deep breath when they ask her about what does it mean to tithe for Andrea. It's giving God 10% of everything he gives her. Not just what she gets paid. Her bonuses. Her gifts that people give her at Christmas. Like, what? Well, she's like, well, is it an increase? I was like, yeah. Like, who are you? And we've lived that way, and we came here, and we arrived in Uintz because God called us to be here, and we wanted to have our own home, and we weren't able to because we could either tithe or we could buy a house, and we couldn't do both at the time. So we didn't. Where do we take it from? Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so you will be enough food in my temple. If so, says the Lord of heavens, I will open the windows of heaven, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. The only time he ever asks a person in the Bible... Try me, put me to the test, I dare you. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them in insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heavens. Then all the nations will call you blessed. Your land will be such a light, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I know, unfortunately, the 21st century, is it dollar for dollar? No. Sorry. Jesus is not a sugar daddy. And I say this respectfully, and please come see me afterwards if it's disrespectful. But 29 years married on the 30th of April, she's still the hottest chick that's ever been in my life. She's the greatest friend I've ever had. She's my best friend and partner. I love spending time with her, and we're empty nesters. So we didn't ask the question, who are you? I just said, you're my friend, my best friend. I get to date you every single night now. Maybe because of our faithfulness to Jesus, maybe Jesus is intertwined in that process in our life. See, we discovered how much we believe in obedience because when the thought of obedience is pressed or squeezed, you discover what's in the toothpaste. Because though it says crest, scope, complete, 
advanced active foam, clean your teeth and keep them white forever. <laughs> See, it's supposed to be toothpaste, but you don't know if it's toothpaste until it's squeezed out. Until we choose to walk out the obedience to what he's called us to, the follow, believe, and obey. What might be an area in your life that Jesus might be asking you to invite him into a fresh, fresh place of obedience? Where might he want to take you to a new level of obedience in your life? Please don't talk to somebody else. Don't think I'm misunderstanding. What's Jesus saying to you? Not what culture is telling you. Not what broken Christianity is telling you. Not any of that stuff. Well, you know, the Bible, we need to reinterpret it. No, you don't. No, we don't. If you're watching online, no, we don't. When Martin Luther King got to heaven, you know what he did? I did not know that. When Tim Keller, rest his soul, got to heaven a couple of days ago, you know what Tim did? Oh, my goodness, Lord, I did not know all of that. You've got to be kidding me. I scratched the surface? Really? But Tim Keller was incredibly faithful to Jesus to walk out his journey. Others have been faithfully to walk out their journey of obedience. You know what they're going to see? Change doesn't accidentally happen. It begins within the choices of obedience. I've asked Jason to come. He, um, I wanted to make today personal, so he's going to come and, and sing something for you um, that you know, but he, he, done it, he did it differently for me because he did a great job. Jason, come on up. Um, the reason I asked Jason to come do it is because if you listen to it the normal way, it's like seeing, like when you have a stain on your carpet in your house, after a while you don't notice it anymore, right? It's the same with this song. Powerful, powerful, powerful. If we really caught the words of it, it would change our life in reference to obedience. Because it's about a personal interaction that goes on in a song. In the words of us, Jason, who kind of put a new jingle. Is that what you call? Yeah, okay. He just likes me, right? But before Jason does that, I'm going to ask us, I'm going to ask us to close with two minutes of silence at this point. I'm going to ask you to sit in silence. I'm going to ask you to please... Not to be uncomfortable, please, if you can't, just don't disturb the person next to you. But as we sit in silence for two minutes, and then Jason, as soon as, my, I'm going to use Siri, because this is really intellectual. You know, she'll set two-minute timer for me, which is kind of unspiritual, but hey, whatever. When it goes off, I'm going to press stop, and then Jason's going to walk into his song for us. But I'm going to ask you to sit in silence with your eyes closed and head bowed. But I want you to answer this question that's going to come up on the screen. Dad, in what area of my life might you be inviting me to take a step of obedience in? See, I promise you, if you ask him to speak to you, he will. God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Not check all the boxes, but if you simply stop and seek me and invite me into your situation, you'll find me. Most important question for people watching this morning or people here, just in case, don't you right, is this, is Jesus, you want to be Lord and Savior? Of my life? You know what his answer is? Yes. <laughs> but you have to invite me in, is his response to us. Because it's follow, believe, and obey. Not follow, press, and obey, or guilt, 
and obey or scare and obey or ashamed and obey. Follow, believe, and obey. As you're sitting in two minutes time, or is it this? Is it, is it aligning him in an area of love, acceptance, and forgiveness and follow, believe, and obey to walk in a new level of obedience? Is it simply setting time aside to be with him on a regular basis? If you don't spend time with the person you love, you never get to recognize their voice. Is it following his footsteps and serving and giving of your life afresh in this season? Like being in the game rather than just at it? Is it allowing God to be Lord of your life and your finances and your time and your talent? What is that area for you? So I'd like you just to look at that question. Dad, in what area of my life might be inviting me to take a fresh step of obedience? Close your eyes and then I'll set a two-minute timer. I just ask you, please, please, please. Some people say this is one of the most uncomfortable things we do. In our Western culture, we've forgotten how to be disciplined to just be quiet. We forgot the discipline and lost the discipline of just being quiet. And allowing the whispers of God to penetrate your soul at the deepest of level. So hi Siri, set a two-minute timer, please. Just close your eyes and just answer that question. Thank you.
Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk, I shall not walk, I shall not walk. He leads me by still waters, He restores my soul, He restores my soul, He restores my soul. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You lead, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, my God. And I will walk in Your peace forever. Amen. Lord is my shepherd and I shall not walk, I shall not walk, I shall not walk. He leads me by still waters, He restores my soul, You restore my soul, You restore my soul. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You Of the Lord, my God, now walk in your peace forever. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. the shadow of death I will feel no evil for you are with me and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life you to do it this morning because when he first did it for me it's been stuck in my head ever since I get in the shower and I sing it I get in my car and I sing it that way I wanted it to get stuck in your head this morning is maybe that place of that our obedience is simply the evidence of our love 
for the Lord that he wants you and I to share with the person that brushes shoulders with us. I don't know where you're at this morning. If you'd mind, just bow your head just for a second. Close your eyes. I know if God's stirring an area in you this morning that he's bringing to mind an area where he wants you to walk afresh in obedience. And if that's you, I just want you to stand where you're at. Don't worry about anybody else. Forget about them. They don't really matter. Yeah, anybody else, it's you. You're saying, Lord, here's an area you're stirring me. Don't close your eyes if you need to. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Who cares about them? They really don't matter. Our prayer teams are available. Would you come forward, please? Those are our prayer teams this morning. <laughs> I'm asking everybody who's standing, all the people that are sitting, just close your eyes a second, would you? Keep your eyes closed, those who are sitting. But all those who are standing, will you look at me a second? Those who are standing. I promise you on my life right now, on my life, and I know that's an extreme statement to make, but that guy that he sung about, he said if we meet him in that moment, he'll meet us. No hoops to jump through, no things to check, but just step in and walk in obedience. I've asked these people who I love and care for. I'm going to ask because I'm going to close the service in prayer in a second here. But please, if you respond to the Lord this morning, you're standing. Lord, I, I, want, I, I genuinely want to break through in this area. I promise you on my life, Jesus said, if you seek him, you'll find him. And Jesus just looks like crystal. <laughs> Sounds like crystal. <laughs> Some crazy reason works through crystal. <laughs> does. And then, I don't know if he has as good a beard as Dave has, but Jesus actually works through Dave in spite of Dave and in spite of Robert. Now, Anna's perfect, but, but Dave's not, all right? No, we get, we get all religious and weird. These are just normal people that bleed. They just bleed like you and I do. But here's the thing. When Jesus says when two or more agree, according to his will and purpose, he does it. He meets us in that moment. And so often we in the Western where we kind of check the box and go home. I want to encourage him to close in prayer. If you've never said yes to him and you, you prayed that prayer this morning, Jesus, I need you in my life. Come tell these people. They'll pray with you and they'll support you and walk you into the process of what we go from here. Because really, it's not about what words I say. It's about what words you say. Because Jesus is not an English major. He might be, but he's not really an English major. Because he doesn't listen to this. He actually responds to this. We listen to this. He actually responds to this. And whenever way it comes out from here... He responds to that. So, Daddy, I just thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for how you stir and draw and mold and shape and guide and walk and care and cover and protect us as your kids. Lord, as my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, respond to you. I pray, Lord God, you would meet them in these spiritual moments today, Lord, that, Lord, as they agree with brothers and sisters for you to, to do something fresh in the area of obedience in an area in their life, Lord, that you would literally empower them beyond their wildest imagination, Jesus, to experience you afresh today, because who the sun sets free is free indeed. So we ask you to bless and guide us, Daddy, in your precious, precious name, and all God's people said, amen. Hey, guys, have a great day. Love you guys. Those who are standing, please come forward. Let these people pray for you guys. Would you please, please, please? Thank you. Have a good day. God bless.